And we are back. Welcome to Season 4 of Between Two Blue Devils. I'm excited to launch this new season. I apologize for how long it's taken to push out a new episode. This past year has been a year of change for me. My role at Talmadge High School has changed. I've moved from the classroom into administration. As a new assistant principal, I've been challenged and stretched, and it's taken time to adjust. As a result, I had to pause the podcast for just a minute, but now we are back. This first episode is actually a flashback to last school year. One of the last episodes I recorded as a teacher was with this incredible human being. And to be honest, it got a little lost as I started to make decisions about transitioning into my new role. Can't wait to share it with you now. As an assistant principal, one of the perks is I get to walk the hallways and listen to our teachers do their thing. Literally on the first day of school, I walked by this person's room and I heard her singing. If you spend any time around her, you cannot help but be impacted by the joy and the passion that she has for her subject, French, and for her students. Each and every day, she brings that energy and positivity to Talmadge High School. Now, sit back and enjoy this amazing conversation that I had back in April with the one and only Julie Metzger. Bienvenue à Entre Deux Diables Bleus. So, welcome to Between Two Blue Devils, and it is my uh, privilege and honor to bring our next guest to you. Uh, if you can't pick up on what language that was, that was Welcome to Between Two Blue Devils in French. We are honored to have one of our many foreign language teachers here, uh, Madame, Madame Metzger. I always I always mess, mess that up. I don't that's know why. That's all right. You try, and that's I, all that matters. Well, yeah. I took four years of German, and all I can remember is how to swear in German. That's it. <gasps> but I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Uh, so other than that, I don't know very many words other than, you know, comment allez-vous? How Jamais. was that? Oui, oui. Comment allez-vous? Très bien, merci. That, et, et vous? Oui. <laughs> I uh, did I just set myself up for uh, okay. some trouble there? I understand what so, you meant. Yeah. Well, hey, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm so excited that we finally got to uh, get you here behind the microphone because I think I told you this um, a few months back that your name has come up multiple times as a uh, as a guest that other people have wanted to hear from. So I am thankful I love that you... I to hear that. Thank you. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, let's just start off with this. Why don't you tell us uh, it, in French and English, if you would like, <laughs> who you are and what it is that you do? Um, I am the French teacher here, and I have been the French teacher at Talmadge for 24 years. That sounds crazy even to like say out loud. That's insane. Um, but something kind of neat, my first interview ever for this profession was Talmadge. So uh, I, I graduated from Akron, Akron U, and they had a career fair just for teachers in this big building, and they had a whole bunch of different districts from Ohio and other states, and we bebopped around, and we, you did like little like 10 minute, like mini interviews with whoever you wanted. And my first, it, that was my first interview. I hadn't done any other, other than that. And so my first little 10 minute interview was with Talmadge. Get out of here. And um, it was the vice principal at the time, and he was telling me a little bit about Talmadge, and he mentioned block scheduling and asked me if I was familiar with it, which at the time I was not. I had never heard of it. 
And as he's describing it, I was like, hmm. And I knew I didn't want to work like in inner city, so I kind of stayed away from that. That's not really where I would do well. And so I liked that it was a suburb and a little bit on the smaller side. I mean, it's not tiny, but mm-hmm. smaller. Um, and then he told me all about block scheduling, and I was like, oh, this is where I want to work. And I was hmm. getting really excited, and I was like, okay, so you're going to need a French teacher for next year. And he said, oh, no, we're not. I just wanted to interview you. And I was like, what? And so he didn't. He thought he was going to, but he couldn't really tell me that. Mm -hmm. Like, he had kind of a feeling that the current French teacher was going to be leaving. Okay. But it wasn't official yet, so he couldn't really say anything to me. But I was confused, but I thought, well, okay, good practice, and moved on, and then... I got a phone call in August, a month later, and I was very, very excited. So, so you have been in Talmadge your entire teaching My, career? Then. Yes. Wow, yes. and you said it's year 20, you're finishing year 24? Yes. All right, so you and I, I'm finishing year 24 as well. But uh, we have the same year. Yeah, okay. yeah, and what's interesting is, you know, I started off at the middle school, but after a couple years teaching uh, U.S. history there, I was asked if I wanted to move to the high school, and I remember one of the things that actually intimidated me was the block scheduling. I had become so accustomed to the traditional schedule that the middle school had at the time that thinking about 80 to 83 minute long blocks, that was just really intimidating. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't as excited (laughs) as as you you were about that. So so you got hired right out of college to to work at Talmadge High School. And you, um, were you always just teaching French the whole time? Yes, I had my, and my master's is in education too, so okay. I'm only able to teach French K through 12. I did substitute for like I graduated in December, and so I subbed from like January to June or whatever, um, which was fun because I was K through 12. I could sub anything, and they were like, "Oh, do you wanna, do you wanna stay in the high school or do you wanna, you know, substitute for the little ones?" And I was like, "Oh, that would be fun." No, that was not fun. So they immediately put me in kindergarten, and I felt like a truck had run me over by the end of the first day because I didn't have any kids of my own. I'd only babysat, and so having them in your care for seven-plus hours and not really knowing how to handle them Mm -hmm. that long. You know, in high school, they can read and they can write, and you can tell them to do something, and they usually do it. But this was a whole new game, and it was bad. And so I tried again one more time, like a second grade or something. And after that, I said, please keep me only in middle school and high school. <laughs> That's so, so funny. So you learn fast, like, what you're able to do and not do. But it yeah. was fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I graduated in December as well, and I was a K-12 through sub as well. And I remember walking, I think it was Dunbar, uh, walking down that hallway. I- I'm not sure, but they were just little kids. Yeah. And it was, I mean, God bless our elementary teachers. Right? I, I they swear, hard. I, yeah, I could never do that. And just um, this one particular moment stands out to me that everybody had to go to the bathroom at the same time, and I had no idea what to do. So we all got up and we lined up, and I'm walking them down the hallway to take them to the bathroom. And kids are running up and they're, they're grabbing my hands and they're trying to hang on me. You know, kids got runny noses, everyone's running. And I'm just like, okay. This is just way too much for me to handle. Yes, you know, but and at the time, I had no clue, I, like, if you sing a song or... Had I understood any of it, it would have gone slightly better, but, like, n- no clue. It was just chaos. Oh, and I probably upset the teachers a lot 
um, because I didn't understand like the routines and everything mm -hmm. at all. And so, um, like the one day, the first time I was a sub for the kindergarten, they went away to specials, and when they came back, I was supposed to have set up all their snacks. They had snack time, right? Mm -hmm. And so she had collected probably throughout the year, and I was supposed to. So I'm scrambling around, I'm sweating, I'm handing out napkins <laughs> and like snacks, and you know, because they'll tell you quickly if you're not doing their routine. Yeah. Got that all set up. So the second time I subbed, again, only twice. The second time I subbed, I, they went off to their specials, and I was like, specials are like gym or art or whatever. So I was like, oh, I remember. I'm supposed to set up for snack. Like, that's what the other class did. So I, I'm looking around for, like, the snack, right? I'm like, where's the snack? Where's the snack? I'm going through this teacher's. This is, I'm going through her stuff. I find all this chocolate. And I was like, oh no. This must be the snack. You uh -oh. know where I'm going. I know where you're going. You. Yep. So I find napkins. I give every kid like two or three chocolates on the napkin. I'm so excited that I'm like prepared, right? They come walking in and they're all like, woohoo, we love you. And I was like, wow, they're so excited. I've got this routine going on. And they're like, thank you for the chocolate. This is so nice. Oh, yeah. I had gone into the teacher's personal stash, stash <laughs> and given them all a bunch of sugar. Oh, yeah. It was bad. And I, so I had to write an apology letter on you my... You were that sub, huh? And I just said, please, never again. I can't do this. <laughs> Unbeknownst to you, yeah. You're asking not to be placed there. And that teacher's probably like, never, right. ever, ever allow this. She took my chocolate. How dare she? <laughs> I mean... I, yeah. I, I don't know if our listeners quite understand the significance behind messing with a teacher's secret stash, right? Mm -hmm. I've got mine. I got my Reese's peanut butter cups over there, my mm -hmm. Cadbury eggs, you know, since we're just yes. outside, fresh outside of Easter. But um, but you don't mess with another no. teacher's secret stash. I, you know, I'm, I'm curious, Julie, what um, what is it that that inspired you to become a teacher? Well. I think um, when I was in high school, the biggest thing is when I was in high school, for some odd reason, I could always see my teacher's perspective um, when they were doing their thing. Hmm. Um, and so school was easy for me, uh, and I liked it a lot. And I had a lot of friends. I was outgoing. I liked school. I liked, um, but I started noticing pretty quickly that I could, I just understood what they were doing and how they were doing it. I really did not like it when other kids were like acting up because I just always could see what was going on in their mind. I could easily pass their test because I would think, I could just tell like, well, you're doing this, so this is going to be on the test and da 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 da. And when they weren't explaining things like very simply, I was so irritated and my friends would be like, what is going on? And I was like, well, if they would have just said it this way, <laughs> this is how you break it down and this is what you have to study. And they're like, oh, okay. And so I just kind of was like, it was just easy for me to take information, break it down, put it back together, show somebody how to do it. And so then I started kind of watching them, um, like think watching them in that perspective, like do I want to be a teacher one day? And I thought my French teacher had the most fun. And I was right. I love my job. I have so much fun. I like to sing and mm -hmm. sing my little let's learn, let's conjugate songs. And some of these folks out here know that. Um, and I just like to have fun all day. And so, yeah, that's kind of how... How it went. Okay, so I, I know that you do like to sing. It was funny because on Twitter earlier uh, today, uh, a fellow educator posted a, a question on there about how many of you sing in class. 
and not because I knew you were coming in here, but you're the first person that I thought of because I know if it's the kids not telling me this, then uh, you know I've heard you <laughs> you sing a lot in class, I and do. I do not well, but I do. <laughs> but, hey, hey, it's all about making a joyful noise, right? It so is. it's uh, but I mean the, I I know that the students appreciate that because you you take a risk and you and you make you make it real and you make it fun. Well, and they remember it. Yeah. And so anything for the kids, like. Um, if they, if sometimes I'll just start humming the beat to whatever the the verb is that they need to conjugate, and you'll you'll see them go, <gasps> yeah, and they start writing it down, and like you know, it just it sticks better. So yeah, if you can put a tune to it, that's right, solid brain based research right there. Yes. So when you think back to high school, uh, and you mentioned that your French class was a, a lot of fun, I mean, did you always when you decided that you wanted to be a teacher? Did you have your heart set on becoming a foreign language teacher, or was there another um, another area that you wanted to teach? And and while you think about that, was there a teacher that really inspired you or, or motivated you? I always wanted to be French. I never thought about teaching. Like maybe for a split second, I thought elementary because air quotes. It's so it'll be so easy. Because you think, well, they're teaching them, like, the easiest things, you know? No. I mean, I'm very dead wrong. You elementary teachers out there deserve the world. Um, But only for, like, a couple minutes did I think that. And then, no, I mean, I'm pretty much – well, I was an exchange student my junior year in high school. So that pretty much kind of changed everything. So when I spent a year in France, um, I went to school over there. I had host families. Um, It was pretty clear, like, that that if I was going to do anything in the future, it would have – French in there somewhere, some way. Um, and so then when I decided education was going to be it, I mean, there was just hmm. nothing else. So you spent a whole year, your junior year in France? Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. What was that like? That was amazing. Um, first of all, let me tell you something funny. For any of you guys who have ever tried out for anything and didn't make it, um, you are not alone. And I like to make fun of myself and tell my students this. So in high school, um, I was happy. I had lots of friends, but like I tried out for everything and made nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nobody wanted me in anything. So I tried out for cheerleading because everybody's like, you're a perfect cheerleader, positive and, la-, you know. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll be a cheerleader. No, didn't make that. And I was like, maybe I'll try volleyball. No, didn't make that. It was like school play. Certainly I can, maybe I could be in the, no, <laughs> they didn't <laughs> want me there either. So, but honestly, I never was like, I really want to do this and had persistence and like tried to get better and do it again. Like once they rejected me, I was like, eh, moving on. So, um, no, didn't make anything. Then I was, uh, the Rotary came to our high school and did a little presentation. And I was like, you know, I don't have like a thing. I don't know if you guys have ever felt that way. I don't have a thing. There's no something that helps me define who I am or like I didn't have a sport. I didn't have like a nothing which I was okay with, but it'd be nice to kind of have something, you know? Hmm. So, um, yeah, when they came and they presented this whole idea of traveling abroad and being an exchange student, I was like, maybe that could be my thing. Hmm. I could be a traveler. Sounds pretty exciting, right? So, yeah, it took some convincing for my parents to let me leave for a year at such a young age, but um, I convinced them into it, went off, went to France, and... um, yeah, I mean, every day isn't exciting. You're living life, you know, mm-hmm. but um, I really, really enjoyed it, and uh, I like to try new things. I'm not, like, a picky person when it comes to eating. I, like, pretty much like everything. 
I'm willing to try new things and do new things. So I would say I was the perfect candidate for that. Yeah. Um, I miss my family and friends, sure, but I was off having adventures, so mm. it was fine. So think about when you first left for France versus when you finally came home after a full year. How did you change as a student and as a teenager? I don't know that I changed that much, maybe a little bit. I mean, obviously more independent, more confident in like who I am and what I'm capable of. Um, hmm. Yeah, I would say it was just probably that. Um, my parents treated me differently, which was very nice. Um, you know, before I left, I was a sophomore. You know, I had a curfew. They had to know where I was and what I was doing. I was a good kid anyways, but you know, I had all these like rules that I had to follow, of course. Yeah. Well, in France, they don't really have curfews. They treat them uh, more like adults, much younger. Hmm. And so like my mom had come over to visit me and take me <clears throat> home. So she came over and spent the last two weeks that I was in France with me, met all my host families and stuff. And so it was kind of interesting because it's not like I did this all the time, but when she happened to be there, my host, one of my host brothers was going off to a party and was like, why don't you come with me? And I'm like, okay, well, we didn't come home until it was light out, which <laughs> I didn't do that all year long, but I'm sure that's what my mom thought I was doing all year long. <laughs> yeah. That was like the first time ever, but she was like, okay. And so we... <laughs> That's funny. So needless to say, when I got back, I had no curfews or like anything. It was kind of nice. I, they just assumed like I knew what I was doing and I was going to mm. be fine. And I was. So So um, we had a student in here. Um, she's going to be graduating tomorrow, but she spent a whole year in Belgium. And mm. every time she talks about her host family, she talks about how her host brother is coming over here, probably here now, to watch her graduate. Uh, she talks about how close she is to that family and how, um, you know, she's going to go visit, you know, more often and, and just spend a lot of time with them. Is that the type of relationship that you had? I mean, do you still have communication with your host family at all? I do. I had three host families. That's the way the Rotary works. Right? Okay. Um, for a variety of reasons. They get to, um, you get to do a little more traveling. Like each family took me somewhere and showed me different things. You get to meet more people in the community because hmm. they each have their different sets of friends and you have more host brothers and sisters to like help you make friends and invite you to do things. So, um, but yes, I became pretty close with all of them. If I had stayed, I can't even imagine it. My first family, host family, I was super, super close with because you know, like they were, they were the first people, mm -hmm. like, as you came over, and um, so I was the closest with them, and I cried like a baby. I felt so bad. Like, the night I had to switch families, um, and I'm not a crier, so they were probably thinking, what in the world? I don't know that I had cried the entire <laughs> time I was with them, and something just hit me, and they were about to leave me, and I guess it was, like, being left all, like, saying goodbye to your parents all over again, and they were about to walk out the door, and I just became a puddle, and I'm, Aww. and they were all, like, Oh, and I was like, I'm fine, just, you know, <laughs> just go. Um, but yeah, and I, I've seen all three families several times since wow. then because I've taken students back to travel. Yeah. And they, I always tell them when I'm going and this is where I'll be and the cities I'll be in. And they've made a point to come and That's awesome. visit me with my, my students. So. Yeah. Well, I think our 
you know, age of our technology now makes it a lot easier to stay Much in contact easier. with as well. Yes. That, that's awesome. You know, a few minutes ago you were describing your, your personality when you were going through that rundown of all the things that you never <laughs> made, all the different teams right. and things that you tried out. You know, when you talked about becoming a cheerleader, you said that your friends were like, hey, listen, Julie, this is right up your alley because you're so positive and you're so outgoing. You know, and, and it's funny because when I think of you, the very first word that comes to mind is positivity. Like you just ooze positivity. You're always smiling. You're always happy. Uh, you always lift up the uh, the room or, or wherever we're at. You know, even at church, when you come up, you're just always smiling and just happy and, and full of energy. Has that yeah. always been you? Have you always yes. been that positive? And yes. well, where does that positivity come from? What what uh, what inspires you to be so positive? I really don't know. I mean, the fact that I've always had it, I think it's really just part of who I am. And, um, you know, I have siblings. They're not exactly the same. I, so that's hard to say. It's mm. got to be genetic, I would think, if you've always been that way. Um, my parents, my dad especially, likes to, like, tell... They're always the same stories at this point, but stories of when I was little, like, little, little, and they were always afraid of what in the world was going to come out of my mouth. And, you know, I would talk to anybody and say, like, the craziest stuff. And sometimes embarrass them and you got a story well the one that my stepmom always like because i have i have a dad and a stepmom the one that she always likes to say is they lived um in an apartment and so we had to take elevators and so whenever like people would be in the elevator with us they would hold their breath because like who knows what in the world i was gonna say and i was just little you know you're thinking like three four yeah and so the one time somebody got in the elevator with us and we're standing there and i said and i don't remember this but i know the story um, you probably think this is my mom, don't you? And they were like, I don't, yeah, maybe I don't. And I was like, she's not my mom. She's my stepmom. Her name is Billy. And they were like, okay. And I would just say, like, whatever. Kids say the you know? darndest things, right? You never knew what I was going to say. That is so funny. Well, so let me ask you this. Because, um, you know, a, a normal life, uh, the ebb and flow of life is you, you there's storms that we've got to go through. Sure. And we and we battle through. And how is it that you're able to withstand some of those storms that that you know you, that you've lived through? I mean, what is it that first comes to mind? Like, if you know that it's it's going to be a rough day, and you know that life isn't going well, I mean, can you share with with our listeners? I mean, what is your kind of strategies for success? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I've definitely had my share of storms. Life is not peachy. So even when you see somebody and you meet somebody and you think they've got it all together and they've never gone through anything, they've got this perfect life, you're so wrong. I think um, every single person has different challenges. Um, and, yeah, the way you get through those storms uh, makes a difference. And the way you come out on the other side. Well, I, I think number one is I have a strong belief in God and um, that he kind of knows everything. And no matter what happens, I'm gonna be just fine. I'm not afraid to die. I mean, let's just go to the worst. I'm not afraid to die. Um, I'm actually looking forward to it. I think that changes the way you live. Mm -hmm. I don't wanna die. Don't get me wrong, I don't wanna <laughs> die. Um, I wanna be here for the people in my life, but I'm certainly quite excited because I believe in heaven and I can't wait to see like what that is gonna be like one day. Um, I, I mean, the Bible says we can't even imagine how amazing. So think mm. of the most amazing place ever. And to me, I'm like, well, yeah, I want to be there. That's going to be great. So I'm not afraid of that. Um, but then when you do have your challenges, 
I think with psychology too, and like you think of the Bible and you know, you have your strengths, you want to, um, not, not during the moment of the challenge, but as you're getting towards the end of it, you know, what can you learn from it and how can I change this to my advantage or, um, be of help to others. So hmm. yeah. I, when you're going through it, you're yeah. just like, I can't wait for this to pass or, I mean, it's, it's always sad when you're like, why am I going through this? But everybody's going to have challenges. Mm -hmm. Everybody is going to, like, it would not be okay if you did it. You know, you wouldn't be learning and growing. So not that it feels good at the time, but. I, I love what you just said there. If you weren't going through challenges, you wouldn't be learning and growing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's what the challenges of life offer to us, right? I mean, a, a front row seat to becoming the best version of ourself. Uh, I, I think it's interesting when you do think about the struggles of life. Um, and I was just actually reading a book about this a uh, couple mornings. Well, it was actually Saturday morning while I was sitting outside in the beautiful weather, drinking coffee and, and listening to the birds chirp. But it talked about the role that, that you know, faith and having a firm foundation uh, and seeking inspiration and taking time to, you know, self-reflect. All of those different strategies help create and kind of build up a foundation so that when the storm does come, mm -hmm. you're ready for it. And, and I think that that's such a valuable lesson for all the listeners that if you aren't doing anything to build a strong moral compass and a strong foundation right now, no matter what it is that, that you might use to build that, um, you're not prepping. Because if you're not in a storm, you're either coming out of it or you're on, on the, the cusp sure. of entering into one. And uh, our young listeners have to realize that they've got to build that foundation and they've yeah. got to be prepared and they got to think about um, what they can do to weather that storm and to see the good, to see the good in it. And because um, it's coming inevitably. So when you were uh, you were in high, in high school, um, you know, you were part of you, you're traveling and you're uh, well, I, I wanted to ask, where did you go to high school? Are you from around this area? I went to Jackson, I was okay. at Jackson Polar Bear, it's a little bit south. And, Maslin area. And then you said you went to the University of Akron then? I went to Ohio State. Ohio State, okay. Why did I, I think did Akron? I graduate from Akron. Oh, okay, all right. I went to Ohio State for two years. I loved it. I loved Ohio State. I loved the campus. I loved the energy. Um, I loved my professors. I thought my classes were really exciting. Um, loved everything about it. But when I was there, they didn't have an undergrad program for education. Hmm. And so they had switched to a five-year master's program. So the only option I had was to go straight for my master's, which there was the whole debate, like, are you going to be over like, we're going to have to pay you too much and you have no experience. Okay. Will you be able to get a job? What if they don't want to hire somebody yeah. with a master's? And so I made the hard decision of coming home and going to Akron, which Akron is a wonderful university, mm -hmm. but it broke my heart to leave Ohio State because I felt like a failure, even though I wasn't like coming home. I don't know. Well, I hated, I hated coming home. <laughs> yeah, well now you're a Buckeye and a Zip, right? <laughs> yeah, so I finished at Akron. I had wonderful French professors at, at Akron and um, I had a very good experience. So I graduated from Akron, yeah. Okay, so then you enter into the workforce. You're now hired as a teacher at Talmadge. You've been here for 24 years. Uh, and from the time that you were hired till now, uh, you, have, you have a family. I do. And uh, why don't you tell us a little <laughs> bit about your family? Okay, I have a husband, his name is Dave. We've been married um, seven years. We um, met on Christian Mingle. So we met online, which okay. I think is kind of fun yeah. and interesting. 
I found him first. He's so <laughs> cute, of course. I think he's the cutest in the world. Um, and so, yeah, we we met, and I knew pretty quickly that he was pretty awesome. And so we've been happily married ever since. And then I have a daughter, 16, Kara. Yeah. She goes here. And I have a son, Bergen, who's 21. And then I have a stepson, um, Zach, who's 23, and David, who's 24. Okay. Very good. Yeah. So a whole wide range of ages there. Yes. And what has, what has being a parent taught you? How have you become a better teacher as a result of being a parent? Or vice versa, how have you become a better parent as, as a result of being a teacher? I'm definitely a better teacher. What a difference when somebody has a child because you start seeing all of your students like they're through the lens of their parents' eyes. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm so much, I, I became, I mean, Bergen's 21, but everything changed then. You just, um, you want to help them more. You want them to succeed. You can, like, let go of some of the shenanigans a little more. <laughs> um, because I learned how much harder boys have, how much harder of a time it is when I had a son for him to sit and do school. Like, I had no idea, because I was a female. Mm -hmm. I always liked school, but, um, you know, he had such a hard time with kindergarten and first and second grade because of the whole, just it's harder for boys to sit yeah. for that long, and, like, they don't want to do a worksheet, and, like, it's just so much harder for them, and so I just started, you know, I used to get really upset if a, a and it was always males, would, like, just randomly stand up and move around. What you, I thought I thought I thought it was being disrespectful. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't understand what they were doing. Sure. And I remember being a young teacher, like sit down. <laughs> and then once I had Bergen, I was like, oh, you need to stretch. Go ahead. You know, <laughs> go ahead and stretch and move around a little bit. I got it. Um, so yeah, it just totally changes. I can see my daughter, my son's face, and every student, and I just want them to have a happy experience mm -hmm. and succeed. So. Yeah, I, I remember that exact same thing, you know, when Kelsey was a little bit older and she's running around and we're just, I, I just remember looking at my own students way differently and then thinking about what the privilege, what a privilege it is to actually spend as much time as we do with our students during their formative years. Right. And it's, it's something you don't quite grasp until you have your own kids. I and agree. you think about, oh my gosh, my kids are going to be in a classroom with a teacher you know, half a year or an entire year during their most important stages of life. And the way the teacher treats your student and their whole class mm -hmm. makes a huge difference in that child's life. Yeah. And you don't get that when you're first teaching. You don't understand, like, what, what you're doing, good or bad, to all of these individuals. Yep. And when you start to realize, like, what an influence and difference that is, yeah just makes makes you want yeah. to be better do better do more yeah and to your point I mean the way kids respond to you know during conversations and to adversity and how they handle difficulties in life I mean you don't realize how much uh, how much they catch what it is that you're, you're talking about I had a conversation with a colleague just this morning about about that about how in the classroom it's more than teaching, right? It's actually talking, you're just passing on these, these, these ways of just handling life the right way. You know, we're not trying to be the parents, but at the same time, we've got to model empathy and we've got to model compassion. We've got to model patience uh, and, and do so the right way so that, that our kids, they, you know, they catch that stuff. 
and um, there's you know it's just such an important part of life mm -hmm. so uh, it is it's really it added a new dimension to teaching for sure so Kara is your 16-year-old, and she's your avid runner. I've had her in here. I was, I was talking to her um, this morning and asking her, you know, are there any questions you would like me to ask your mom? <laughs> oh, no. And she said, all she said was just ask about the race. And I said, the race? And she goes, yeah, ask about the race in France. Oh, Kara Giovanna, <laughs> I swear. I can't believe she even remembered that. That's all she gave me. So I have no idea where we're heading with this question. She is such a stinker. A kookamarook, I like to say. A kookamarook. And what does that mean? Just a silly little stinker, you know. <laughs> well, that's Kara. I would agree. A kookamarook. Is that so, what? All right. I'll tell you the story about the race. So uh, when I got to France, I like to jog, run a little bit, um, just for stress relief and, and exercise yeah. and whatnot. And my um, host family was like, oh, we have a running club. You should be in it. And I had never run for, like, school or anything. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be in this running club. Oh, sure, I'll do it. So I joined this running club. And we, the running club, because they're not through the schools, your sports aren't through schools, they're through communities. We would basically go to different um, cities. And I, I assume it was a 5K. I mean, I don't even know at this point. But I'm assuming we ran, like, 5Ks in different cities. And so um, I didn't know any of these cities, obviously. And my host mom drops me off, and she's like, okay, here's your running group. Get all ready, okay, I'm going to run this race. Well, there were I was supposed to run with this other girl, but her tummy hurt, and she was going to just stop running. So there I am by myself in this strange city, and it's not like you're on a track. You're in a city, and it's like sort of obvious where you go, but sort of not. Hmm. And so... <clears throat> I'm jogging along and I'm not really sure where I'm going and I see my host mom you know ah! and I was like I don't I'm not really sure where I'm supposed to go and she's like let <laughs> this is so bad she's like well do you really want to finish it's like there's the end line and it's clearly not I'm not supposed to like walk over there and go to yeah. the end I'm, I have more of the race to do she's like why don't you just like go around there and finish and we'll go shopping <laughs> And I'm like, oh no! there I am. Like, I don't know. I'm six, 16. I'm like, what am I going to do? I mean, that sounds kind of fun, but I know that's wrong. Like, <laughs> I was like, ah, what, who would, who cares if I, like, it's the only person I'm cheating is myself here. So I'm like, okay. And I'm, and I'm thinking, I'm going to, like, somebody's going to, like, videotape me or see me and, like, start yelling at me. I mean, I was very upset about the whole thing, but I did it. So I just like walk around where I'm not supposed to go and just oh, come no. through the end line. <laughs> and then we go and we like walk around the town. So then um, at the end they have like an awards like they do any 5K and they like reward like the winners. Well, guess what? I had won first place. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not good at speaking French, by the way. I had only had French one and two. And then I went over and my, this is early on in my stay. So like I don't have the words to tell them, no, I, I cheated, like, I, I did not win, right? <laughs> oh, and no. my host mom thinks this is great, and she's not going to tell them. So I accept this reward, feeling horrendous about it, right? But being like, mm -hmm. So I win, like, a trophy and some money, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is, and my, my host mom was like. <laughs> <laughs> Proud host mom right there. 
That's so funny. Anyways, but you know, my running club, I, I did pay for this. My running club <laughs> mates knew there was no, I mean, they were running with me every week. They, I don't even know what I ran because I wasn't really into running, running. I, yeah. I couldn't tell you what my time was or anything like that. But um, yeah, they knew there was no way that I'd finish that race that fast. And so they would make little comments and I just would feel guilty. and just. I, did I, you ever come out and tell them? That, no. No. No, I didn't. I just felt horrible about the whole thing and just was like, hmm. Where might this trophy like be? like I didn't know like that they were kind of like right. hinting that I was a cheater, even though I was a cheater. Yeah. Was Is this trophy on display in your classroom right now? It is not. <laughs> I do have a trophy in my classroom, but it's not that. I don't even know where that is. I think I probably got rid of it because I felt bad. Well, where's Kara get this intense desire to run from then? Because, you know, even this morning she's like, yeah, I get up at 6 o'clock every day. And she, I know she goes and she runs like miles and miles every single day where's that drive come from for her well when i met my husband dave he was a runner he runs marathons um, and so he really likes running and he had done 5ks and 10ks and marathons and stuff and so um i just kind of ran around the most like organized running i ever did was in france and then other than that i just kind of would run on my own and so we started running 5ks and he started bringing care of us so her first one was either like the turkey trot, like in Maslin, or we had like an Easter, like the little fun ones. Yeah, sure. And um, she liked doing that quite a bit. It's just a positive, happy, like energized kind of atmosphere at the races. And so I, I guess from that. Okay. That's... And wanting to have a thing. She always yeah. says that's her thing. She wanted, like I did. I mean, I think, does everybody want a thing? Is that a psychology kind of thing? You well, want, like a thing? Yeah, I, I think it is. I mean, it is psychology. It's human nature, right? You want something that you can cling to and um, sort of find identity with, right? Because right? I mean, I, and people do identify that with Kara. They talk about it all the time. How she's she is this person who sacrifices so much on a daily basis because she's disciplined, and you know, she and is, she does sacrifice a lot. It's crazy. Like I've ne- I've never given her a bedtime. Like you will go to bed at this time. She just gave herself one. Way earlier than I would have given her well, one. Because yeah. she, and you know, she wants to get to bed and she wants to get up early and yeah, she wants to run. and. Yeah, that's one of the most impressive conversations I've had with her when she talked about how she does go to bed early. I mean, she's just very regimented and routine oriented. And uh, one of our conversations we had recently was just about how, um, how the long-term effect of that routine is going to just take her so far in life. Because you, things are regimented, and there are things that you don't sacrifice, things that are very healthy for you, and they're just good practices. You know, she's getting plenty of sleep, but she's getting up, she's winning the AM, and she's running good physical health, you know, good uh, state of mind. It's just a, a pretty cool uh, habit that she's picked up from Dave, very and habit. it helps her keep this positive mindset that you've uh, instilled into her as well. What, um, when you think about, like, so your, your relationship with Dave, I, I see pictures on on Facebook, you guys are very active in many different things. What what are two? What, what's something that the two of you love to do um, outside of school? Um, well, our newest hobby is going to be camping, so I'm very excited about that. Um, he has explored our country a lot, and I've explored Europe a lot. So when we were dating, I said, "Okay, I'll take you to Europe, and you're gonna show me our own country because I'm." sad to say but I haven't seen much of our own country and so he was like deal so I did take him to Europe on our last trip so he got to see Italy France and um, England 
and he has taken me to some places. We like to travel. We've done Chicago together and a few other places. But this summer, we're doing, I call it the Wild Wild West um, <laughs> vacation. Um, and so, yeah, we're heading out west. We're doing a road trip. We've um, bought a tent. We've been research. We both like to plan, too. So it's been really fun with him because we both want to plan. And so we're, you know, what is the best tent? And what, what kind of sleeping bag do we need? Do we need the pads that go under? Of course we need the pads that go under the sleeping bag. And, like, what kind should we get? And where are we going to go? And how long are we going to stay there? And so we have been planning and planning. And I'm super, super excited to do that. And I, I haven't camped since I was a kid. I'm slightly nervous because we've invested all this money into all of this stuff. But um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to love it. So, And he's an Eagle Scout. He's going to love it. He... He likes the great outdoors. So that's going to be our new hobby that we're going to hopefully take into retirement. I'm like, if we love this, you know, I think we're going to love the West. And so I'm like, maybe eventually oh, yeah. we could, you know, spend more and more time out there. And Pretty knows. soon you're going to be in Europe camping, hiking through the mountains. And that would be great, too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is exciting. That's something I would love to do. But in, in my family, we don't camp. Now, I would love to camp. Uh, I grew up camping, but camping... The Horner version would be finding a hotel with air conditioning and a running shower. I mean, anymore. I like that too. Yeah, I like that too. So, so I there's nothing better than waking up early in the morning and then sitting by you know starting a campfire and just bringing in the morning outside. I mean, I absolutely loved it when I was growing up. I like sunrises yeah. a lot. So we're gonna get up every day early and get ourselves to if we're not already at a perfect spot get ourselves to an amazing spot to see it come over the grand canyon mm -hmm. to see it come over we're going to arches to see it come over the arches like i just can't wait so there's a couple questions uh, that have been coming in before we wrap okay. this up uh, and they all kind of center around your experience in france since you love france so much let me let me ask you a couple of these okay when you go to france now what is it that you look forward to the most Ooh. That's a very difficult question because there are so many things I love about France. Um, well, one, I get very excited to hear and be able to speak French because I just don't have like that opportunity here in the United States very often to really just be immersed in it. I mean, mm -hmm. I can listen to podcasts and I can read and I kind of talk to my students or whatnot, but like to just be immersed in it, it's a whole new ball game. And it improves my French significantly very fast. And so that's always really, really fun to challenge myself and like, can I keep up again? And, you know, um, am I gonna understand everything? You get nervous and I usually do, but um, that's super fun. And then of course the food is fabulous. I love French food, it's so good. Um, croissants and pain au chocolat in the morning and then croque madame uh, for lunch and then who knows what we're having for dinner and there's little crepe stations everywhere and <sighs> good stuff good stuff wow. um what else and then uh i just everything you're gonna see all the sites and the the museums and the monuments and i always make sure that i'm gonna see something new too um so I've been to Paris like six or seven times, but I make sure that every there's so much to do there. There's always going to be things you haven't seen or done or experienced. So hmm. making sure there's at least one place new for me um, in that spot. What's the coffee like in France? If you get a normal coffee, it's very strong. Very, very, very strong. They'll, it's basically like an espresso. Their normal coffee is in a small little 
um, things. So you have to get a Cafe American or a Cafe Olay if you're wanting more of an American um, coffee, but otherwise it's very strong. So I don't ever drink a normal coffee. I get a Cafe Olay and they mix it with hot milk. So good. Oh, wow. Uh, so when you first went to France, what was the first thing that you did there? That I mean, what was your most favorite part? Like the first time you got when there? When I first arrived? Yeah. Was it the food? Was it the first thing that jumped out at you? Or was it the culture? Was it, was it the, uh, just the, the beauty of France? Do you remember? I do remember. I remember my very first night. Um, it was a warm summer evening. I took a nap because you're, you lose like a night when you go over. So you're there and it's day, but you haven't had night yet. So I remember I took a nap and then I came out and um, probably the people and the beauty of it. So the French love being outside. And even if they have a small yard, it's gonna be gorgeous. There's gonna be flowers. It's gonna, even if you have an apartment and a small, teeny, tiny, um, you know, little balcony, it's gonna have flowers. There's gonna be a little table there. And so um, their patio that was beautiful and big, um, and they had invited all, all the other two families, so all three host families that I was going to stay with throughout my stay were there, invited to a big French dinner, which French dinners are amazing. They're in courses, and you talk a lot, and you have a lot of great food, and then mm. we were out on the patio, and so the warm breeze and flowers everywhere, and everybody was just very, very nice, and I mm. knew I was going to be just fine. Wow. Yeah. So you, you like to sing a lot. I mean, what's your favorite song to sing in French? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if it's my favorite, but the most, uh, what I sing the most often are conjugation songs because they're catchy. The bad ones are not catchy, and we tend to not sing them very often, but the ones that are really catchy, we sing. The, the kids like the um, to have, how to conjugate to have a lot. Um, well, are you asking me to Well, yeah, as you can see, I've got a large number of, <laughs> index cards here that are all asking you to sing us to one sing song. sing a song? <laughs> <laughs> Am I right, audience? Oh my goodness. You gotta say it out loud. This is on air. Yes? Yes. yes. Okay, there you go. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll sing the Alley song. So Alley is to go, and the video that goes, I didn't make up these songs. Well, sometimes I do if there isn't a good one, but you know, other French teachers, let's learn, let's learn how to do something songs, and they put a beat to it, and they make a little video. So, um, okay, so this one is Ale, it's to go. Can I have my Frenchies come up here and do this with come me? Come on, Frenchies. All right, if you've taken French with me, get your booties up here. You, and you, and you, and you. Come on, you're gonna sing it with me. Come on, sing it they're right here. their heads, no audience. What is this? It's called insubordination, <laughs> and I'm in control of their grades. I'm gonna count to three, and you better Psychology get up here. Psychology grades, or... <laughs> come on, all right, come on. Graduation come on. is at stake here, kids. Come on. Get, get up here. Je ne sais pas timide. Je ne sais quoi. Come on. Come on. Come on, Chance. Come you have on. no problem whatsoever talking in class. Let's go. Roll on. Come now on, roll on. I don't know if I can say. It's all right. You just got to be up here for support for me. Here we go. All on right. On the count of three. You ready? Do you guys remember Ale? Uh, 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 uh. I'll start yeah, and you'll you. remember. Yeah. All right. You ready? Un, deux, trois. Je vais, tu vas, il va. Elle va, nous allons, vous allez, ils vont, elles vont. <laughs> Has some sounds, goes off, everybody dancing. Oh, Wait, what are you guys scattered for? <laughs> Give it up, that was great. That was great. <laughs> so, well, thank you. 
You're Thank you for demonstrating vulnerability, and you guys, uh, that was rather weak. They came up, though. Yeah, they, they came they up, came but, okay. um, good, good. hey, so, uh, if you weren't a, let me just ask you, if you weren't a French teacher, I mean, what would you be doing if you weren't a teacher? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, one, I have no idea, because there wasn't really anything like, ooh, this is my plan B. Yeah. Um. Isn't that funny? Because that's, how, people ask me that question all the time, I'm like. I didn't have a plan I B. have no idea. Yeah. And I don't know what I would want to do. I mean, I, you know, I would, uh, I would want it to be something with traveling then. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I thought about when I was thinking of becoming a French teacher was traveling. Like, okay, well, if I'm a French teacher, I can take my students and go on these trips. Mm -hmm. Like I actually was thinking about that way before I even became a French teacher. That was like a high priority. Sure. Um, so I would say maybe a travel agent. I'm trying to think, I I don't know, something with traveling. Mm -hmm. Oh, a, a flight attendant. There you uh okay okay i could be like oh um. you would be that flight attendant that would be viral on, on on instagram or on tiktok right where you're walking down the aisle and you're singing the whole time maybe and you're, you're singing maybe. the menu and <laughs> some people would love me some people would be throwing things at me for sure yeah that's awesome that'd be fun so i i for my own personal curiosity i like to ask this question um what are your most favorite books? Do you have like a favorite book that you highly recommend or or even, you know, what's the most influential book you've ever read? Okay, so I actually thought about this. It was one of the questions. Um, no surprise to you, I'm sure. My most, the most influential book, of course, is the Bible. Um, so I just have to say that I've read the Old Testament twice, the New Testament maybe three times. Um, and there's just so much to learn in there with help if you have like a Bible study. Yeah. Otherwise, it's kind of hard to understand but for me anyways. Yeah. So I would say that's the most influential. Um, but then outside of that, I like books that help you to improve and understand. That's why I love psychology and this mm -hmm. is a psychology class. So one of my favorite books is The Five Love Languages. Oh, yeah. Um, have you guys heard of The Five Love Languages? And so it helps you to understand how others feel loved. Mm -hmm. And who knew that others feel loved differently than you? Like, if you don't know that, you just assume, well, they, you know, like, okay, gifts is one of them. So, like, let's say you love gifts. You give gifts to other people because that's how you feel loved when you get gifts. You, you feel very loved. But maybe one day your husband or wife doesn't feel loved when you give gifts. And you keep giving them gifts, thinking, I'm showering love on you and... But their love language is words of affirmation, and you never tell them, oh, you're really good at this, or I thank you for doing that, or you look pretty today, or what they, they need words from you. Um, and so there's five. Okay, let me see if I can remember them. So there's words of affirmation. That's one of mine. Um, and then gifts. That's not one of mine, but who doesn't like gifts? But it's not one of my love <laughs> language things. And then, okay, I wrote this down. I knew this would be one of them, possibly. So, Okay. Quality time, physical touch, acts of service, gifts. Is that all of them? Quality time, physical touch, acts of service, receiving gifts. What Try am I missing? Yeah, well, let's see here. If I go those, there's quality, quality time, words of affirmation, physical touch. That's the one I didn't have in there, yeah. words of affirmation. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was fascinating, and I just like to learn about how our minds work. Mm-hmm and how other people's minds work because you just assume everybody else is like you until you start learning differently. And so it's interesting to learn that um, others are different. There's and, a there's a podcast that I listen to. I can't remember the title because it's been a while, but what attracted me to it was uh, they take 
you know, positive psychology and self-help books, and then they critique them. They put them to the test and they critique them. And I listened to their episode on the five love languages, and of all the books and other, you know, methods that they had ever uh, listened to and tried to apply, they said that that one was the most influential up to that point in their lives because it's it really does help you understand no matter what relationship that you're in. I mean, like I, I don't know which class it was we were talking about it, but you know, there's five love languages of teens. There's five mm -hmm. love, love languages of teams. There's five love languages, you know, parent to child, and uh, there's just so many different ones. Um, and it can be very very helpful, right? Oh, yeah. Especially like parent to child or, mm -hmm. or just your friends, like figuring out you know what makes your friends happy that's really yeah. what it is like what makes the people in your lives the happiest and then once you kind of learn and understand that of course and you have to make yourself you have to remember yeah. because you'll keep trying to give them you your default favorite. back to it yeah you will and so I love that and then I also um, read this book called love and respect mm. yeah and again it's another like psychology um, relationship type book but I thought it was phenomenal our culture talks all the time about love 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 right and so um, giving love and being loved is so important in your relationships but um, we forget of the respect piece so hmm. easily in our culture more and more and more I'd say and so it talks about that piece it breaks it down into gender like women expect when they get married or in a relationship to be loved unconditionally that's what it is and they uh most of us think well that's what the man expects and and needs too um but the book talks more about how the male part needs love also but needs to feel respected mm -hmm. and that was something i had like never thought of or explored or again i'm a female why would i so just like what? learning these different things about yeah. how in general humans work and operate. I think that's awesome because, you know, everybody's different, right? Mm -hmm. And um, if you aren't taking time to understand how other people think and how they respond and what what causes them to, you know, behave the way that they do, then you're never going to maximize that relationship. And I think both of those suggestions, and I'll make sure that I put links to them in the show notes, are, are great places to start in building a really solid foundation and having a successful relationship. Yeah. You know, it's it's awesome. Do you have a life quote or mantra by chance? You've asked me this once before, and I had nothing to say. And I've thought about that since. And I would say one thing that I often, my husband and I both say to each other, and to the we think with the kids, and is um, experiences, not things. So we like to spend hmm. our money and time and energy on experiences, and like when we're trying to think of a gift for like our mom or something. Um, what can we buy that would give her an experience? I mean, it could be as simple as a gift card, you know what I mean, to a mm -hmm. restaurant versus a sweater or things like that. Yeah. And so we, I just think experiences and doing things with others or even by yourself mm -hmm. are so much more valuable in life than collecting things. And so when you look back at my life, you know, going to France, I, I love, you know, I love that and like trying to travel and I do. I do value doing things. Like if you were like, would you like a car, like a fancy car, expensive car of some sort, or um, a trip out west or a mm -hmm. trip to Europe or some kind of like experience, I'll sure. take the experience every time. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the people that these guys, they watched a TED Talk by Sean Anker, and he wrote a book called The Happiness Advantage. And one of the mm -hmm. things he talks about in there is just that. 
Like, hey, listen, there's nothing that will make you more, things don't make you happy. But a good step forward are experiences because then when you have an experience, it just opens up a whole new realm of other things to experience. It does. And it kind of continues to add that curiosity and that excitement for life to it. Yep. So, you know what, I want to thank you for providing experiences for not only our kids, but for my daughter. You know, you uh, you played a pivotal role in her life, and you are, when I told her I was interviewing her, when I, I was interviewing you, uh, she squealed like it was Christmas morning. She can't wait to hear this episode, <laughs> and I kid you not. Merci, Gabrielle. Yeah, she was all excited, <laughs> but, you know, she is, she's curious now, and after hearing your side of the story, I know where a lot of that curiosity has come from. She's excited to explore Europe. She's excited to travel and, and try new things. Um, and and experience a little bit of the life that you've you've experienced but I'll tell you what our students are truly blessed to have you as as one of their mentors in this building and you are just another example of how incredibly blessed Talmadge City Schools really are I agree thank you for so many good teachers oh my goodness we we do Um, thank you for spending your afternoon with us thank you thanks for having me thank Um, you everybody Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Between Two Blue Devils. Listen to that round of applause. If you liked what you heard, uh, please do me a favor. Make sure you share this episode out. More people need to hear Julie's incredible story.